Hey, Takeover Church, thank you so much for checking out today's message, whether it's on podcast or on YouTube. We are so grateful that you are here. We pray it blesses you and encourages you and that you will like, share, and subscribe across all Takeover platforms. We look forward to seeing you on Sunday. God bless. We love you guys. Oh, man. Takeover Church, constant specials, huh? Just a fun joke. Just fun joke. Speaking of which, Takeover Church, how are we doing this morning? Adrian had her smoothie this morning, but I want some of that. Um, <laughs> what did you say? I have no idea. Uh, but yes, good morning. Thank you guys so much for being here in church. Thank you for joining us online. And hey guys, can we just real quick, um, can we just really bless our takeover worship team for everything that they do? worship at Takeover Church is second to none. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe it. That was incredible. Yeah. And gosh, just thank you so much, Kyle. It's Kyle's first week running sound for yeah. 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 great. We got Nat the Goat in the booth back there. Yeah. Yeah. We are a church that loves to honor. We give honor where honor is due, which is what the Bible tells us. And uh, it's a privilege to serve alongside you guys. So thank yeah. you so much. And speaking of praise, if God's done anything for you in the last 24 hours, if you woke up this morning with breath in your lungs, will you praise him like he's oh. born? It's the kind of church we are, and it's the kind of church we're always going to be. We have resigned ourselves to being a Jesus church, and nothing will change that. Amen? Amen. This morning we are continuing our series, One of Ones, and truth be told, One of Ones is a series of disconnected one-off messages that have nothing to do with each other. And that's a really great example, but what it really means is Matt doesn't want to make new graphics every single week. So, so instead of making certain title graphics each week, this is just easier to put them all together and, and uh, have, have these formulae. So have they blessed you so far? Has it been good? Yeah, it's been good. Fantastic. I think uh, July 12th, when we're back, we'll probably be kicking off a brand new series called Summer Loving. First relationship series by Takeover Church. I'm really, Woo! really excited. Yeah, Someone's like, I've never seen Grease. It's okay. Grease 2 is better. Grease 2 Balls. is emphatically better. I will use my platform to champion so many things, and one of them being Grease 2. I saw it first, and it is elite, and it is better. And uh, you can rebuke me later. Somebody's trying to leave. Uh, it's good. Uh, Come on, motorcycles and leather jackets, praise God, right? But uh, it probably explains a lot about me to a lot of you. You're probably like, this makes so much sense. <laughs> this makes sense. The hair, the things, everything. Well, this morning, it's a privilege to preach, and uh, I'm so grateful that you're in the house. And if you're taking notes from my note takers app, I'm not going to make fun of you. I want to encourage you to take notes real quick. Why do we take notes at church? Because this message, maybe it changes your life today. Maybe you're dealing with a battle right now that it is for uh, here and now, but maybe the notes that you end up taking will actually be for a benefit uh, battle that you are in, not next week, not even two weeks from now, but maybe you get three months down the road, the Holy Spirit goes, nah, 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 charge they preached about this, go back in your notes, we got the answer, God has spoken, it's in there, your direction is in your notes, and so I just want to encourage you, equip yourself, it's easy to do, pen and paper, you can still pay attention, but seriously, I just want to encourage you guys to take notes because... Note-taking has, has changed my life, and I believe it will change yours as well. Amen? Amen. Amen. I can't get over your new haircut, bro. I love it, but I miss the flow so much. Because I lack conviction to grow up my hair. So, 
That's good. All right, well, we're taking notes this morning. The title of my message is this. Are you ready? Yeah. The title of the message is The End of It. The End of It. The End of It. And we are coming out of the OT. Somebody say OT. Yo, TP, yo, no, me. Anyways, uh, second, two people are definitely going to know early 90s, 80s hip hop. Uh, second Kings 13, 14 through 19. Go there with me now. It'll also be up on the Sky Bible. Or say, hey, Sky Bible. Hey, hey Sky Bible. That's the tease. Second Kings 13, 14 through 19. Here we go. Now, when Elisha, that's going to trip me up. Because I keep saying Elijah every time I wrote my notes. Now, when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, I know, it started off so grim. Joash, the king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow, and he drew it. Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands and said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. He said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria, for you shall fight the Syrians in Ethic. That's a hard one to say. Ethic until you have made an end of them. And he said, take the arrows. And he took them and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck three times and then he stopped. Verse 19. Then the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck at least five or six times. And then he would have struck down Syria until you have made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. <coughs> Wow, I pray it's prophetic for us this morning. We're going to pray, and we're going to see what the Lord will do. Sound good? Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Father God, we just thank you so much for being in this place. We know that your word says for two or more are gathered. There you are in the midst of us, God. And we are so grateful that you are not a far off God, but you have been chasing us down this whole entire week, God. You are making plans to meet with us this morning. And this room full of people have made plans this week to meet with you. So encounter us this morning, God. We are not interested in being the same people we are in this moment. Finish what you started in the midst of worship, God. We want to know the, ma the way maker. We want to know the miracle worker. We we want to know the goodness of God. Come and move the one that is our shelter, the one that is with us in battle. God, we want to know you. So every single part of us, God, the uncomfortable things that we don't want to address, the areas in our lives that where you feel shame towards you with, God, we open them up to you right now, and we invite you in. As you invite us into the holies of holies, we invite you into the inner of Matt and the inner of everyone else, God. Come and have your way in this place. And changes from the inside out. In Jesus' mighty name, a faithful church said. Amen. Amen. The end of it. The end of it. Not to get too sad or depressing. Has anybody ever just felt like being at the end of it? Yeah. Yeah. If we're being honest, right? Like. God, God can't bless if we pretend to be or what we don't show him. So can we just pull it out of yeah. the darkness this morning and to the light and what we be changed this yeah. morning? Because yeah. I felt like being at the end of it. And if I could be honest, I felt like being at the end of it six times last week. It's just been a tough season. There's a lot in, in the world that's happening right now. And, and obviously we got so much with, with racial in, uh, injustice that's going on. We have the COVID thing. Man, people are just hurting, and they're depressed, and there's things going on, and I found myself 
so many times in life, not even just this season, but the season definitely amplifies it. I've found myself so many times in life where I'm going through a season, maybe it was a breakup, maybe it was a bad breakup, maybe I was the crazy guy in the car in the parking lot playing our favorite songs, just missing the good old days. Uh, that was definitely, definitely, definitely. Uh, Hannah, if you're watching, praise God. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> good so, uh, one, I won, praise God. All right. I just get hands of fate with these jokes. <laughs> it's so not, thank you. Uh, but I've had, you know, had bad relationships and I, I wanted to be through that season. Or I had moments in my life where my biggest enemy wasn't even the devil, it was Matt McClure. Right. Yeah. Where Matt McClure set up every roadblock in his life, where Matt McClure derailed his entire life. It didn't take the devil, the devil could attempt to be, but I'm the one who took the bait, hook, line, and center. It was me. Yeah. There's so many times where I've just self destructed my own life and I've gone, I just want to be at the end of it. I've gotten to a place where I just want to tap out. Uncle, I'm done. I'm ready to be through this season. And I know for some of us this morning in this house, maybe you've had extreme marital difficulties that just wanted to be done with that season. You didn't even really care if you and your spouse had any resolve. You just wanted the fighting to cease and for passivity to come and for things just to seem a Okay, you wanted to be at the end of it by preaching to anybody yeah, this morning. Yeah. Or maybe right now you're someone who's experiencing job loss because of what's happening. You're just ready for the season to end because you're not sure about bills and you're not sure about things. And luckily you're in a very generous church family where if we know about it, let us know. We're going to find a way to help you. But so often in this life, I felt like wanting to be at the end of it. I've been there, I've been in the darkest of darks, the lowest of lows, and I've sat there. And I want to be at the end of it. Well, can I give you guys a little bit of truth this morning to the end of it? Yeah. Can I let you know this morning that you will never truly achieve the end of it unless you are obedient to God in it? Can I come to you this morning very honest and raw this morning and let you know that we don't serve the God of partial breakthrough. We serve the God of complete breakthrough. Yeah. And it would be a waste. It would be a waste for us to go through dark seasons, step back, step back, just the lowest of lows, depressions, suicide uh, uh, attempts, going through all of the things that I know personally. We have stories in this house. It would be a waste. If we got to the end of it, but we didn't have complete victory through it, amen? Come on, we don't serve the God who went to the cross for a partial victory. He went to the cross so that we can have complete victory. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? So while we want to be at the end of it, while we want to get to the end of it, so many of us, the reason we haven't experienced complete and total victory on the other side of those seasons so far, myself included, it's because I took the shortest, easiest, most non-committal route through my issues and through my dark seasons because I wasn't interested in being obedient to God in it. I was just interested in getting to the end of it by preaching to anybody this morning. Come on, somebody. Is there a Holy Spirit in this house? Can we just shout it out right now? Come on, make some noise for God. He didn't come 
for a partial victory. He came for a complete victory. That's who our God is. And I look at this text. I look at Elisha. Elisha is the man. I'm going to tell you all about Elisha. Elisha is one of my favorite people in the Word of God. Elisha is a prophet. He is a man that has that direct link to God. You ever met somebody like that? Who they just knew before you even said anything, before you even confessed anything, before you even opened your mouth at life crew, they just knew, like, you got messed up, you jacked up, something happened to your life, you lost somebody, and they were right there with the Word. This is Elisha. He is the man. He's there for the direction of Israel and his people and for the king. He just has a direct ear to God, his word, and his heart for Israel. Now, Elisha, Elisha is the, uh, I don't want to say understudy, but I would say protege. He's the protege of the prophet Elijah. Now, Elijah, Elijah was a man of God, okay? Elijah walked so closely with God that one day he was just, Beat me up, Scotty. He's gone. Just like that. It's awesome. I'd love to walk so close to the Lord for that to happen to me. See, this is where I get confused on the inside. Like, I love my wife and my life, but also heaven's really great. Uh, you know, the tension that we all exist in. Um, but Elijah, he just gets boomed up, beamed up, Scotty. And all of a sudden, here's Elisha, his protege, his number two. And the Bible actually tells us that Elisha would go on to get a, not one, not the same, but his own separate, unique, and double portion of prophetic gifting. He was doubly powerful. His words had doubly the might. He had doubly the amount of God behind him. He was just powerful and effective two times. And he's awesome. And here in this situation, we find Elisha nearing the end of his life. And can I tell you this? It's incredible. It's a word for somebody this morning. Elisha is nearing the end of his life, and yet he is still found serving God. Elisha is nearing death, yet at the same time, he is still found serving the king of Israel, Joash. Elisha, death is imminent, but he knew that serving God was still worth it. Come on, somebody. Some of us, we're at a season, God bless you, at a season right now where we just feel like darkness is creeping in, Death is imminent, whether it's in our marriage, whether it's in our single season, whether it's in our job life, whatever situation we find ourselves in, some of us are feeling it's so dark right now. Why even bother coming to church? Why even bother going to life group? Why even bother singing a song? Why bother lifting my hands? Death is imminent. But can I tell you this morning that when death is imminent, serving God is always worth it. If there is breath in your lungs, Depression doesn't get to win. If you're not dead, God's not done. We all know that one bumper sticker Christianity, but just because it's cliche don't mean it's not true. Come on, somebody. If there is breath in your lungs, anxiety can't steal the day. If there is one day left before those papers are signed, the enemy cannot steal your marriage. God is still in it. There is something about death being imminent and a Christian knowing, I still got to serve God in it because if you do that, he can still move in you in the darkest of night, in the deepest of waters. If I'm preaching to anybody this morning. So here it is. Elisha. What a man. What a man. What a man. He's the man. And he's on his deathbed. The king of Israel, Joash, which is a cool name. Josh is canceled. Come on, join the cancel culture. Josh is canceled. The new one, Joash. Bring Joash back. I'm going to end up cussing if I keep saying his name. It's just not going to go well. I'm getting tripped up here. I'm off the right? Uh, uh, 
So here's the king. No, oh, the king. King's easy. Can't mess up one at all. So here's the king, and he comes to Elijah, sicker than a dog, getting ready to die. And he goes, dude, Syria is approaching. It doesn't look good. I need the hand of God. I need the favor of God. I need him to be on Israel's side. He comes to Elijah, and he goes, what do you have for me? And Elisha instructs him. He says, pick up that bow and arrow. And he does. And he says, open that window eastward. And he does. He places his hands on the king's hands. And he prays the Lord's victorious arrows over it. And as he does that, he instructs the king to shoot. And he shoots. And i got to believe in that moment. It's probably pretty, pretty powerful. Because in that moment, it was God saying, I am with you. You have my victory in your arrows. I am for you, not against you. I am with you till the end of the age. And then Elisha says this, which I love. It's one of my favorite portions of scripture right here, right now. Elisha says this. He says, now pick up those arrows. Can't All right. It's kind of weird, but cool. And he said, strike them against the ground. How many of you know when God asks you to do something, that always makes sense? How many know that just because God asks you to do something doesn't make sense in the natural doesn't mean that it doesn't have supernatural right. implications? Right. Come on, somebody. Yeah. The most mundane things that Jesus asks you to do is supernatural. He didn't do it just to placate or just to uh, train you up in some way. He's giving you an opportunity. He's asking you to pick up a piece of trash on the side of the highway. There's a reason for it. If he's asking you to witness to your neighbor, there's a reason for it. If you feel in the inside of your gut that you just got to tell somebody at work about God, even though you're worried about what it will look like for your reputation, it may not make sense in the natural, but it always has supernatural implications. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And so this situation is weird, to be honest with you. Because striking arrows, yeah, like I think of a doll. I'm sure they had like field tips anyway. They were just blood and it sucked and they hit you. But they, uh, you, ever, you ever seen a broad, like it's not a broad tip. Broad tips are cool. These were like some field tip bullet looking things that are just blunt and hit you and it, it just does things. Uh, just, somebody just say, just does that. There we go. Adrian's like, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and so in this moment, Elisha tells the king, strike these arrows. Notice that word, strike these arrows. Oh, so the king does it, right? So Joash does it. He strikes it once, he strikes it twice, and he strikes it three times. And then he stops. Because he wanted to. Not because he was instructed to. Not because God said three times and it was a prophetic wording of three. No, no, no. Joash stopped striking when Joash wanted to. Joash stopped striking when he thought it was silly. Joash stopped striking when it looked really dumb for him to be the guy in the room doing this number. Joash stopped because Joash wanted to. And Elijah, he goes... He gets a little angry, he's a little hot on the collar at this moment. He's like, you bloody idiot. So Matt translation, you idiot. He's like, why did you stop? Now you're only going to push back Syria three times. You should have been at least struck five or six because now you will only have partial victory. You should have. You should have struck five or six times. You should have kept going. 
I didn't tell you to stop. The Lord didn't say stop. You decided to stop, and because you did, you will not experience complete victory over Syria. You will experience partial victory over Syria. Does anybody see where this is going this morning? Isn't that just like Christianity today? If I could just call myself out along with every single Jesus follower in the world. I love in this moment. There is a massive omission. There is a massive omission here. The omission being how many times he was to strike. The omission being where the finish line was. The omission being this is the clock and it's going to stop at this time. So keep going until then. There was no finish line. So often in Christianity today, we love to say, I'm going to live by faith and not by sight. But truthfully, we're a lot more like Joash, where we would rather live by, we would rather live by a finish line rather than by faith. Amen? This is where we find ourselves. We're like, God, give me a finish line. God, give me something to pass. God, put it before my eyes. Tell me this many days and this many times and this much opportunity and how many times I got to keep sowing and being be, be there and pouring in all of these things until I finally get mine. But God isn't interested in us living off of our expectations. He's interested in us living off his instructions. And sometimes his instructions don't come with the finish line. Sometimes his instructions don't come with this is the end. Sometimes his uh, instructions do not come. The manual is unfinished. There is a moment in there where you will realize whatever season of life you are in, you are either going to do what you want to do or you're going to do what God wants to do. You're either going to keep striking those arrows or you're going to stop striking those arrows. Somebody say, don't stop striking. Now turn and tell your neighbor, be COVID-sensitive and let them know, don't stop striking. Don't stop don't stop striking. Don't stop striking. So often in this life, this is just Christianity today. We want what we want, what we want, and we want it. But that's not always in God's time. That's not always in God's will. And that's not always God's best for your life. God's best for King Joash was that he would keep striking the arrows until Elijah said that was enough, not stopping at three. So often in this life, this is what it looks like nowadays to be a follower of Jesus. We would love to live by a finish line, but we can't. We have to live by faith. Single people, are you awake this morning? Yeah, yeah. Can I come to your house for a moment? You don't want it. You don't want it. You don't want it. Because here's the deal. So often as single people, man, we are out here and we're, like for us right now, we are at a two-year-old church. It's small, but we're growing. But there's not a lot of viable options at the moment. So most of your friends are probably married or they're engaged or they've been dating, going steady. And here you are, single as can be. And you get frustrated and it's hard, and you're just praying, right? So often you are just praying, and you're like, God, I need a guy. I mean, God, I need a word. God, I need a girl. I mean, God, I need a sign. Like, I'm sorry, Lord, I need, I'm just looking for some touch from heaven, of course. Like, can you just, can you just answer this prayer? Because I'm dry. And you're reading that. And in this moment, we're desperate when we start praying prayers like that. 
and it reveals where our heart is. And while we're praying those prayers, suddenly God will give you a word. God will give you a word. I've been telling single people in this church for a long time now. The word for your life in your single season is exactly what Jesus said in Luke. That you shall seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all else will be added unto you. A boy, a girl, a career, influence, platform. You seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. It's God's guarantee. You make yourself about my business. I'm going to make myself about your business. That's how our God works. Come on, somebody. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Spend yourself single. And you're like, I can do that. I can do that. Yeah, no problem. No problem. I can serve in church. I can serve. I'll set some chairs. I'll run, I'll run some sound. I'll do some stuff. I can sing back here. I can do all this. That's great. I can do that. I can give. I can be a team night. I can go down to our city, pick up stuff that we do. I love serving our city. I love serving the Lord. God, I need a man. And I'm here for it. And, and we're doing all these things and then what, three weeks go by and your passion's a little, a little less, right? Your passion's a little less. It's only three weeks deep. You just got a word from heaven. You're running and telling everybody about it. Yeah, God said, I got to seek him first. He's going to bring me. Girl, it's good. I don't even know what that was. <laughs> He's going to do it. And then a month goes by. And you're still serving. And you're still here. And you're still about this life. But that zeal for God's promise and that zeal for God's word, it's a, it's a little less. And then three months go by, and you're just singing Boys and Men, River Runs Dry by yourself in the car with the Starbucks crying, and you're just going, Lord, where are you at? And suddenly, you get so disenchanted with seeking ye first the kingdom of heaven, that you stop striking arrows. And the next thing you know is you may have got the guy, but you only got partial victory. You may have gotten the girl, but you didn't get complete victory. All of a sudden, you're settling for something that's not even God's second best. It's fifth and sixth. It was nowhere in the cars. There was nothing to do there because that person, they can't compliment your call because they're not even called to your life. But you decided to stop striking. The Lord didn't give you a finish line. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. He didn't tell you how long. Yeah. He just said, do it. I'm going to be faithful to you. That's right. That's right. Some of us... Adrian, I know this. Being married is, is, is the highest privilege of my life, even more than pastoring this church. And I feel like that's probably something I should have told you at one time. Ago. But man, when you're in a season of marriage, it's usually 97% my fault. Where there's fighting, and there's lying, and there's just grievances, and the communication just isn't there. And Man, you're going through it. I know for some other people in our lives that, man, there were some things that happened to one spouse when they were younger, and they just went through the most traumatic experiences of their life. They brought that with them into marriage, and so every single fight has these underlying issues. There's a systematic issue there that we're fighting up here, but that's a surface issue to a systematic root issue within someone in the marriage, and the spouse is just going, I just want this to end. 
I just want to be on the other side of this. I don't care if he gets healed. I don't care if we're still in church. I just want to be able to exist in the same home. I'm over this. And we're praying. And we're praying. And the Lord brings up Ephesians 5. About loving. And about submission. And about the gentle washing of your spouse. We get into marriage and we think we just need to change them. And so we start scrubbing pretty hard on the areas that we don't like. No, no, no. God calls us to a gentle wash. He calls us to long suffering. He calls us to gentleness and kindness. And so we get this word and well, we think, shoot, long suffering? I've been suffering long enough. I can do this for a little bit more. God must have some breakthrough on the other side of this. I've already suffered for like ever. So I must be pretty close at like my suffering meter, right? Like there's going to be a line that I can cross pretty soon where it's just like the floodgates of heaven are going to open up and all of a sudden he is just going to be perfect and she is just going to be just like Jesus and everything is going to be amazing. And then another fight happens. God's saying long suffering. Gentleness keeps striking those arrows. Yeah, Lord, but you don't know what she did. You don't know what he said. You know, this time you went too far, and I'm sick, and I'm tired, and I'm over this. And God's like, did you got this? And another two months go by, and 16 more fights about the tedious things. He didn't put the cottage cheese away. It's curdled anyways. What's the big deal? And you're striking still. <laughs> Fair thought, right? Come on. And you're still striking. And then you get five months down the track and six months. You get a half a year from when you first really addressed this issue with God. It didn't change. And so like most of us, you just stop striking those arrows. Somebody say, don't stop striking. Don't stop striking. Somebody tell somebody there's victory in those arrows. Don't stop striking. There's victory in those arrows. Don't stop striking. Or I think about our brothers and sisters of our brothers and sisters of color who are going through this season right now. Where it seems like the system's just emphatically broken. It's not going to change. No matter how much we march, no matter what we do, no matter how loud and apparent we make our voices, and no matter how clear our message is, and no matter how many faults we can point out within American society and its constitution alone, it just seems like nothing is going to change. But then the, the Lord says the same thing I said last week in my offering message, is that it's not enough just to sow and give, but you must also love justice and Again, there's a glaring omission in all of these things. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven until when? Gently wash your spouse until when? Love justice until when? And there's a glaring omission there, and it's on purpose. If God's not saying something, it doesn't mean he's not doing something. If God's not saying something, it doesn't mean that you don't stay faithful. If God's not saying something, if you don't have a fresh word from your life, you go back to the last word he gave you, and you make sure that you have remained faithful. Come on, somebody. We want to get to the end of it, but we are never going to have complete victory at the end of it. 
until we are obedient in it. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? on striking, it sounds really good. It sounds like you could put that on the back of a takeover shirt, print hands, the logo, it looked really cool. People might ask about it, and it sounds awesome, but it's a lot harder than just saying it, isn't it? It's a lot harder. Because the truth of the matter is, we're going to get to a place in this life where God's going to ask us to do some outlandish things, some audacious things, some things that do not make sense to the natural eye, and we are going to feel like the biggest idiot in a room with a sick prophet striking arrows on the floor and wondering what the point of this is, just because he's a man of God, just because my pastor said to do this, just because the Bible says to do this. Just because everybody in my life crew says to do this, I ain't seeing no fruit. And I've been at this for like six weeks. We're going to get to those points. And it's in those moments where what's on the inside of us is really going to come out. It's in those moments where our faithfulness is really going to be shown. It's in those moments that those, are, they, those moments are going to expose what we truly believe about who our God is and who he says he is. Is he truly for me? Because if he's truly for me, then I can seek ye first the kingdom of heaven for the next five years, and I can be content. If he's truly for me, I can continue to serve my spouse until my hands are bled dry and I am a broken person. If it truly means that he is really going to restore my marriage, if he's truly going to restore my spouse, I can keep fighting the good fight against racial injustice in this country until I am dead and blue in the face. If it means God says we must love justice and he came to reconcile the entire world back onto himself. He's got a plan and he's got a purpose and I need to be committed to it. Or else I'm only ever going to obtain that partial victory. I want to talk about partial victory for a second because... Partial victory is wild. Partial victory is wild because it'll scratch that itch, corner. I mean, it's cool, right? Like you got a guy now, and he he doesn't give God the time of day, but he gives me the time of day. And that's pretty great. It's a partial victory. Man, my wife and I we're not fighting so much anymore, but we also haven't prayed in about six years. Partial victory. Now, my wife and I are doing really good, and we're raising kids, and we're being successful, and but sex isn't really there, so I have a lot of pornography in my life. That's partial victory. Speaking of pornography, you know what else partial victory is? Partial victory is when we decide that we're just going to 
throw away technology because it's a stumbling block, where we think the answer is to go and join an Amish community. No. Because here's the thing. Technology, Instagram, websites, they might be a conduit for your temptation, but throwing them out of your life is only a partial victory if you still go to H&M and objectify every woman in there. If you can't leave your house and go in public without seeing somebody scantily clad or not, and it leads you into temptation, and it causes you to still sin. You may not be watching it on the computer, but you're feeling it and thinking about it, about another actual physical human being in front of you. That's still partial victory. You see, there's things in our lives that we have settled for when God said, no, I didn't come for a partial breakthrough. I came for a complete breakthrough. There are things in our lives that we have settled for because, you know, what we feel like, well, at least it's better than where I was. No, 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 no. There is more. Somebody say, there is more. Because you know what keep striking looks like in that scenario? It means, yeah, a good first strike, getting rid of the apps on your phone that leads you to temptation. Sure, that's a good thing. That's exercising discipline. Praise God for that. That's a good first strike in that era. That's awesome. But do you know what the rest of the strikes need to be? They need to be figuring that out within community of believers. Finding what God says about that. Because clearly, if we can't go into public without thinking about somebody as an object of sex before they are an image of God, then there is something that is not redeemed fully within the inside of us. If I preach to anybody this morning, there is complete victory available to us. But on the other side of this, there is some heart issues that need to be redeemed. If you cannot commit to being faithful... And seeking ye first the kingdom of God without your heart going to the left and going to the right and looking here and looking there and him and her and everything. Well, just because you deleted Bumble, just because you deleted Tinder, doesn't mean there's not more work for the Lord to do on the inside of you. Because he wants to satisfy. Yeah. He wants that place. He wants to give you victory over Syria in complete and total victory, my friends. Yeah. Keep on striking. What is it in your heart that still needs to be redeemed by the Lord that would you want to give up on your marriage? Because make no, make no, make no bones about it. Being roommates is one thing, but it's not a marriage. Passivity. Passivity will never bring about the kingdom of God in your marriage. It looks at that proverbial mirror. It examines your marriage through what the Bible says. And you dig down deep and you keep fighting. You fight with your hands raised up. And you say, I'm going to love you until you don't want me to love you no more. And I'm going to keep on loving you. And I'm going to love you to a place that you are restored to a place that you can love me. We are going to do this thing the Lord's way. And while we're doing it the Lord's way, he's going to redeem the things on the inside of me. Because I don't want a marriage with a roommate. I want a marriage with a wife and with a husband. And I want communication. I married you so I could know you, so I could become one with you. Wouldn't it be amazing if that two sides of one actually spoke to each other? I need redemption in me. I'm not interested in a partial marriage. I'm interested in a complete marriage. Hello, somebody. Say even the relationship series. Yeah, wait until we see what we got cooking. But it is hard. 
in his heart. Complete victory. While God has made it available to us on the cross, it's an incredibly difficult thing to see manifest in our life because you and I actually have a role to play in that. We would love to be absolved of all responsibility. It'd be great if God just did it all inside of us. He's not going to move where he's not wanted. He's not going to move where his promises aren't the rock that you're standing on. He wants to. He's there. He's pursuing you. He is watching you fall apart on a dating app, being crushed by somebody who didn't respond back to you and going, I'm here. You don't need that right now. What's best for you in this season is that you get along with me, not him, not her. I am your complete victory, and we can make you a complete person, bold, built up, complete, lacking nothing in the name of Jesus is what our Bible says. But we're there and we're in that moment where I'm not telling you that I don't struggle with myself. Where I'm not telling you that you know what, there's a point in this time where you feel like your hands have been gripping those arrows so hard for so long that you're not even sure you can let them go, but you're ready to stop swinging them. Where your hands are so bloodied up from hitting things while striking those arrows and just being committed to the Lord that you were just injured and you're weary and you feel like your arms are just going to fall off at the seams as anybody been there. Where you're just going, I know what you said, God, but truly, I am legitimately broken. I'm disabled in this moment. There's something I, I can't get my hands up this high. The only thing I can do, God, is this. And you're just tapping. And then you get to a place further down the track, and it's not because God's withholding something from you. It's because he wants you to seek and find it in him. That's a word for somebody. But what do you do when you're tired? Worship team, you can come back up here. What do you do when you're tired? Can I encourage you a little bit this morning? Has this been good? Yeah. 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 By all means. Play that though, bro. It's the coolest Western guitar I've ever seen. What do you do when you're tired? What do you do when your stamina's run thin and your faith is worn out? Did you hear Matt preach these messages all the time about victory and about God's best for your life and God's best for everything that's inside of you. You want to see that redemption come about, but the truth is you've been in this church two years and you haven't been able to get this part of you completely healed and completely restored and have complete victory in this moment. You are praying for the finish line. What do you do? I love what David said here. In Psalm 1834, he said, He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. He trains my hands for war so that I can bend a bow of bronze. He trains my hands for war. 
He trained my hands for the battle for my purity. He trained my hands for the battle for my marriage. He trained my hands for my faithfulness to his church. He trained my hands for my depression. He, he trained my hands. He has given me his strength. This is our God's promise to us. Friends, if you are feeling heavy, if you are feeling broken, if you are feeling like you have been swinging and swinging and swinging, and you can't even remember a time when you were swinging, but you are ready to just quit right now. What's in that moment, can I encourage you? That with those arrows firmly planted in your hands, that you use what strength you've got left to lift your arms up as high as you can. And you let God renew your strength. And you let God strengthen your hands for battle. And you let God strengthen your hands for your marriage. You let God give you a heavenly resolve, not an earthly resolve. You let God give you that resolution that you're looking for. You lift those arrows up high and you proclaim today, I may not have strength to strike, but I got strength to worship. I may not have strength to strike, but God, you are going to strengthen my hands. You have trained me for this. He's trained you for this. So not only is he not going to give you the finish line, but what he is going to give you in exchange for us, in exchange for a finish line, is a godly stamina, is a Holy Spirit endurance, is an opportunity that when you feel like you are done and you are all but wasted away, you can return to that moment with God and you can renew your strength. He can continue to train your hands for war because there's going to be more battles in your future that in this season, being faithful and just pursuing what God has for you, whether you see a finish line of sight or not, that training is going to help you overcome a battle that you didn't think you had enough for, but it's because of this season that you did. That's who our God is. Amen? You guys should stand up and get ready to worship.
no looking around, there's no talking. It's a moment between you and the Lord of hosts. Lord, who's your shelter? Lord, who's your refuge? Lord, who's your strength? Lord, who has equipped you for every battle you are facing right now. Lord, who has put more in you than you think there is. As Jesus followers, we have got the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. We have got the armies, the war of heaven on the inside of us. You have more in you for the battles in your life right now than you think you do. And so with that in mind, that I want to extend an invitation to anybody in this place. Maybe you don't have yet a relationship with Jesus. Maybe not a personal one. If you would like to make that decision and have a personal relationship with Jesus, it would be my honor to have our entire church pray with you. One voice, all of us together. We're not going to come around you with a hand or anything like that. We're just going to have you in the count of three, put your hand up high enough, long enough just so that I can see it, and then you can put it right back down. If there's anybody in this place, yeah, I see that hand. Yeah, I see that hand. Anyone else? Amazing. Church, would you just pray with you right now? Something amazing is happening in this room. There's a heaven tugging on every single one of us right now. There's a door to our souls and a door to our future, a door to our calling right now that is just being banged on by the powers of heaven that we have something to do after we leave here today. But there's more in you today that you've got a greater purpose for Monday tomorrow than just the mundane. All of us right now, will you just join me as we pray over this young person who just committed their life to the Lord just say, Jesus, Thank you. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Jesus, you came for we, but Jesus, I recognize right now that you came for me, that you want my life, that you want my past, You want my present as put together or unput together as I might be. And God, you want my future as uncertain as it is right now. I know that there is certainty in the cross of Jesus. So I give you my life, everything within it. And from this moment forward, I'll make you Lord of all. Jesus, come and take over my life and use me to you how you see fit. In Jesus' mighty name, a faithful church set. home card that we would love for you to fill out. Also, if you're new with us this morning, 
but specifically that person who just committed their life to Jesus so that we can follow up with you. We can get you in a band crew. We can get you in a boys crew. We can be involved in your life. We can talk. We can grab coffee. We can do something like that. Truly, we're not interested in doing this life alone. We're not interested in you doing this life alone. So we want to make sure that you got good, Jesus-centered people at the center of your life. Amen? Amen. So please fill it out. We want to get your number. Get a hold of you. Do this life with you. Man, how good is Jesus, church? Can we just make some noise? He's so much better than things. Well, guys, it's been a privilege this morning. And uh, I thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in online. But next week is July 5th. And because we understand the country and world that we live in is important to people and they go and they do family time and they camp and they, they do whatever they do and honestly we could be begrudgingly and be like no church should you know beat you over the head but truly it's our heart that you would see that we're a church that wants to come alongside you and your family and we recognize that you know what this is great go and be well and get some rest and it's my encouragement for July 5th weekend don't fill it up with, we've been telling our staff and our team this, don't fill it up with tedious things. Don't busy yourself for the sake of being busy. Truly take this time to rest. Yeah. Invest in your soul. If reading a book is good for your soul, read as many as you can that weekend. If playing golf is good for your soul, play as much golf as you can. If just hanging out with friends is what builds you up, then do that. Yes. But rest this weekend. Because when we come back on July 12th, I expect to see us bringing friends with us, family with us, and coming to get rowdy in this place so that these pillars in the middle of the room would fall down because we're rowdy this and because we're distracted. But we love you guys so much. Enjoy it. We miss you already. But hang out. Have some cafe. Please take the food with you.